Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, January 15th, 2023. It's a federal holiday. It's a national holiday in the United States, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, Ray McGovern joins us now. Uh, Ray, thank you for uh, for joining us. A couple of things uh, about Martin Luther King that will, will get us started. Here is a, a clip uh, of Cornell West, whom you and I uh, both know, uh, speaking to a huge audience uh, yesterday in Washington, D.C., estimated to be as large as 200,000. I don't know exactly uh, the number, but it's interesting. It's a memorial for Dr. King and a protest of the American government complicity in the slaughter in Gaza. Take a listen. Yes, it's indeed true that Brother Martin Luther King Jr. would have been 95 years old on Monday. So I'm here to let my precious Palestinian brothers and sisters and siblings know that when I think of where I come from, for every generation, we have love warriors who are willing to live and who are willing to die. Martin Luther King Jr. said, I'd rather be dead than afraid. I'd rather be a corpse than a coward. We need courage. I'd rather be a corpse than a coward. I'd never heard that one uh, attributed to him before, Ray. Of course, he was extremely courageous and gave up his life uh, for the belief that there is a scene, uh, that's Washington, D.C. You probably didn't see that on the news. That's that's a European uh, news coverage of an enormous uh, march in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, yesterday. Your thoughts on uh, Martin Luther King before we move on to uh, contemporary issues, Ray? Well, today he would have been 95. Um, was quite a witness and he's been marginalized. Uh, I've seen the mountaintop and no one knows what that means. Uh, when I uh, gave courses, I was always able to weave in uh, Dr. King's letter from the Birmingham city jail. Mm -hmm. And uh, one quote struck me more than others. Uh, each one has our own favorite quotes. Well, this one was has to do with what you judge and what we are trying to do. Uh, he compared uh, injustice to a boil. He said, like a boil that can never be cured unless it is 
opened up with all its pus flowing ugliness to the natural medicines of air and light, so too injustice can never be cured. What can never be cured uh, and the exposure of it with all its friction needs to happen to the light of human conscience and the air of national opinion before it could be cured. And of course, the same thing goes with truth. So what I see us doing here as being uh, boil lancers, okay? We're gonna get out the ugliness, we're gonna substitute the truth. The other thing that I remember from uh, his wonderful letter from Birmingham City Jail was, here it comes, one sentence. There comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe, nor politic, nor popular. One must take it because it's right, okay? Now, there are lots of politicians that are not speaking out against genocide, and I repeat the word genocide in Gaza, and worse still, the church leaders. You know, he wrote that, that letter to the Birmingham City Jail to eight prominent church leaders who were saying, no, don't disrupt things. No, don't, there's no such thing as good good trouble here. Martin, you're, 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 you're a disruptor. And here's what he said to them. In the early days when Christians were willing to take risks, the church was not merely a thermometer reflecting public opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Right. Things are uh, different now. Just do one more sentence. Things are different now. So the contemporary church is a defender, arch defender of the status quo. Far from being disturbed by the presence of the church, the power structure is consoled by the church's silent and often even vocal sanctions of things as they are, period, end quote. He's writing to church leaders here black church leaders, and he's hoping that he can stir them up and say, well, you know, this is not being faithful, not only to Christian tradition, but Jewish traditions and Muslim traditions as well, the Abrahamic tradition, where you care first and foremost about the widow, the orphan, the refugee. He uh, wrote that 55, 60 uh, years ago. It is brilliant. It is gifted. When I was teaching legal philosophy at Brooklyn Law School, I made sure that that was included in the uh, curriculum. It is also a defense, a great defense uh, of St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas, both of whom argued, as you know, uh, that an unjust law is no law and there is no obligation uh, to obey it. And an unjust law is one that violates natural rights uh, or demeans uh, humanity. He was a victim uh, of both types of violations. The other thing I got to note is, I mean, what you just read is as relevant and valid a criticism of church leaders today about Gaza uh, as it was 55 or 60 years ago about the plight of African-Americans uh, in the United States. Um, last week when you and uh, Larry were on with us, we did not have available to us uh, a clip of the uh, all the arguments uh, we wanted to show uh, from the um, uh, lawyers' presentations in the International Court of Justice. 
uh, Alistair Crook informed us this morning that the South African arguments uh, were not available uh, on any media in the United States or in the West. You had to get them from uh, Al Jazeera. Of course, the Israeli arguments uh, were. Uh, so I want to play for you now one of these you've seen, but I want both these arguments fresh in your mind. What we're calling the second argument, Chris, this is the uh, second lawyer who spoke in behalf of uh, South Africa and embedded in that argument is the uh, our IDF uh, troops dancing and celebrating uh, over the deaths of uh, Gaza civilians. And then we'll play uh, an argument by an Irish barrister, a female a barrister, who makes a very, very, very uh, compelling demonstration. And then we'll play an argument by a British barrister who's making the principal presentation for uh, the Israelis. So first, the second argument, then the Irish female barrister, Chris, then the British male barrister. Watch this. On 7 December 2023, Israeli soldiers proved that they understood the Prime Minister's message to remember what the Amalek has done to you as genocider. They were recorded by journalists dancing and singing. We know our motto, there are no uninvolved, that they obey one commandment, to wipe off the seed of Amalek. The Prime Minister's invocation of Amalek is being used by soldiers to justify the killing of civilians, including children. These are the soldiers repeating the inciting words of their Prime Minister. There is an urgent need for provisional measures to protect Palestinians in Gaza from the irreparable prejudice caused by Israel's violations of the Genocide Convention. For children in particular, the last 12 weeks have been traumatic. No food, no water, no school, nothing but the terrifying sounds of war day in and day out. Gaza has simply become uninhabitable. Its people are witnessing daily threats to their very existence while the world watches on. Turning to the court's case law, as the court has recently reaffirmed, and I quote, the condition of urgency is met when acts susceptible of causing irreparable prejudice can occur at any moment before the court makes a final decision on the case, end quote. That is precisely the situation here. Any of those matters to which I have referred can and are occurring at any moment. United Nations Security Council resolutions demanding, quote, the immediate, safe, unhindered delivery of humanitarian assistance at scale throughout Gaza and full, rapid, safe and unhindered humanitarian access, end quote, remain unimplemented. United Nations General Assembly resolutions calling for a humanitarian ceasefire have been ignored. The situation could not be more urgent. 
Since these proceedings were initiated on the 29th of December 2023 alone, an estimated over 1,703 Palestinians have been killed in Gaza and over 3,252 injured. As to the criterion of irreparable prejudice, for decades now, the court has repeatedly found it to be satisfied in situations where serious risks arise to human life or to other fundamental rights. In Qatar, United Arab Emirates, the court considered provisional measures to be justified, having regard to the risk of irreparable prejudice deriving from factors such as people being forced to leave their places of residence without the possibility of return, the psychological distress of temporary or potentially ongoing separation from their families, and the harm associated with students being prevented from taking their exams. If provisional measures were justified there, how could they not be in Gaza? The State of Israel is singularly aware of why the Genocide Convention, which has been invoked in these proceedings, was adopted. Seared in our collective memory is the systematic murder of six million Jews as part of a premeditated and heinous program for their total annihilation. Given the Jewish people's history and its foundational texts, it is not surprising that Israel was among the first states to ratify the Genocide Convention without reservation and to incorporate its provisions in its domestic legislation. So, you know, uh, the arguments went on for three, three and a half hours uh, on Thursday in favor uh, of the South African application, uh, not generally available in the Western world. The arguments went on for three, three and a half hours on Friday, uh, opposing the South African uh, application generally available uh, everywhere in the West. Is it uh, a common belief in the intelligence community that the U.S. can manipulate this court? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, yes, uh, any court or any UN body is a, a a lucrative target for such manipulation. I just want to comment that uh, Barrister Blinn's uh, Irish uh, uh, heritage, uh, well, let me just say that I applaud her sang-froid 
her reticence, her calm way of delivering that because her grandparents and my grandparents were subjected to the same kind of cruel occupation, except they didn't kill us. They didn't right. get us out of the country. I'm talking about my Irish ancestors, of course. Right. How she could keep her composure in that set of circumstances is quite remarkable. She, uh, she was arguably, I didn't see the whole thing. I saw clips of nearly all of them. She was arguably the most articulate of all the eight lawyers, four on each side, uh, that address the court. But um, I, I want to ask you about the corruption of the court. I don't mean bribery type corruption, but I mean, is there political corruption? Is there pressure on these judges? Because the court really issues what we would say in the, what we'd call in America an advisory opinion. They don't have an army to enforce their opinion. They can, their ruling, they can condemn the uh, Israelis for genocide, and that's not going to move a hair on the head of Prime Minister Netanyahu, unless I'm misreading this right. Well, it will be a big deal, uh, Judge. In other words, if uh, if Israel is made even more a pariah and people follow through with economic uh, measures that weaken Israel and, and force it to buy more and more on the United States, that will be significant. You're right. It has no enforcement capability. And worse still, I don't know when the judgment's going to come down. Uh, no one does that I know of. Some people are saying, well, it should be quick. And of course, uh, Barrister Blinning said, yeah, sure, it should be quick. It's urgent, urgent. But you know, there's all kinds of delaying tactics. You know better than I how many yeah. games can be played. And I heard from my friend Ed Snowden via Twitter. And what he said was, you know, I worked in the CIA station under Bush and Cheney, just down the street from the UN bodies in Geneva. <laughs> and any chance we got, we surged our capability against their communications and everything else. So, you know, uh, there's lots of room. I would be surprised, says Ed, if the U.S. is stationed there, FBI, CIA, NSA, are not surging their capability against all people having to do with the International Court of Justice, even though they meet in The Hague, the headquarters is in Geneva. What, what would the, or could the CIA or the NSA do uh, mechanically to uh, influence the outcome or impede the work of the court? Well, there are what, about 15 judges there, right? Right. Uh, many of those have skeletons in their closet? How many of those would not like reveal some of the things that could easily be found out by these specialists in the covert action part of the CIA and the very, very, very sophisticated measures that the NSA employs abroad? Now, that's all fair, fair game in terms of what the U.S. law allows abroad, but when it impinges on an important case like this, you know, it's it's really, really irredeemably bad. And that's exactly what they tried before the war in Iraq. Remember, they were trying to get the Security Council to approve this war on Iraq, and they couldn't do it. So they surged their capability, the Brits and the United States, against all the members of the Security Council in that, in that uh, venue. And they still failed, but who knows how susceptible 
many of these judges would be. And I don't know, Judge, does it have to be unanimous? I don't know how this, this thing works with the International Court of Justice. No, it can be a, it can be a vote of eight, eight to seven. Good. That, that's a good sign. Yeah, so the court has 13 uh, justices, but in a case like this, each of the countries involved can add a justice. So the Israelis uh, added an 87-year-old former chief justice of the Israeli Supreme Court, interestingly, a notorious opponent of Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, and the South Africans added uh, a former justice of their Supreme Court. So eight to seven can do it. I, I think you're quite right, Ray, on both counts, uh, that uh, th this will lend a lot of moral suasion throughout the world against the Israelis if the court rules that way. And if they make their ruling just on the basis of the arguments, it's not even a close call. On the other hand, if the intelligence community wants to threaten these judges subtly, sort of the way it does to members of Congress to keep increasing the budgets of the intelligence community, uh, it certainly, uh, certainly knows how to do so. Is Israel in the PR war its own worst enemy? Well, you know, Judge, uh, the first and uh, the first target for Israeli propaganda are Israeli citizens themselves, and they need precious little encouragement uh, to be angry and to be uh, ready and eager to wreak vengeance on on the Hamas and all the Palestinians. Now, with respect to its position abroad, well, let's face it. Uh, the Israeli influence, the lobby influence on our media is appreciable. Now, you pointed out, I'll say it again, you want to talk about one-sided coverage? Well, Thursday session, nothing. Friday session, when, Israeli, when the Israelis testify, everything. Now, hello, do you need more description for a one-sided coverage? So that's what we face in the United States. That now in the uh, in the south uh, of this world uh, and else elsewhere, of course, the Israelis are seen to, to be putting out this propaganda. But the places where it, where it counts, like the United States, which is enabling, which is making this genocide possible, and most people think, well, Israeli really suffered on October. So didn't didn't you see uh, that Israeli case on Friday? And they will not have seen my Irish barrister favorite person on Thursday. I mean, it speaks for itself. Uh, we'll play two more clips for you. One is Professor Malcolm Shaw, who is the uh, lead uh, British, well, British barrister, but the lead Israeli uh, lawyer. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that, about that for a minute. And then we'll play you what the uh, kids are taunting is Joe genocide himself out of South Carolina church uh, being interrupted uh, by people who are outraged at American complicity uh, in the uh, in the genocide. So uh, first, Professor Shaw, then we'll talk about it, and then we'll play uh, President Biden. South Africa casts its net widely. In its application, it uses the word context many times. In particular, it declares that it is important to place the acts of genocide in the broader context of Israel's conduct towards the Palestinians during its 
75-year-long apartheid. Leaving aside the outrageous nature of that statement, why stop at 75 years? Why not refer to 1922 and the approval by the Council of the League of Nations of the British Mandate? Or 1917, the proclamation of the Balfour Declaration? Maybe also include the entry into the land of Israel of the Israelite tribes some 3,500 years ago. No. The immediate and proximate context for the specific allegations of genocide claimed by South Africa lies in the events of the 7th of October, when Hamas militants and other armed groups and individuals stormed into the internationally recognized sovereign territory of Israel. He may be a very uh, highly regarded professor and gifted lawyer, but international law says, and that court has ruled, that uh, the motivation for the genocide is no defense uh, to genocide whatsoever. This is why our colleague, Professor John Mearsheimer, who uh, watched all the tapes, um, said that the uh, Israeli team didn't even make a dent in the argument uh, of the um, South African team. Do you think the United States is the unindicted co-conspirator here? Clearly it is. It's all but said explicitly in these documents. A note on John Mearsheimer. I admire him greatly. And he was very, very cautious and reticent to use the word genocide until he read those 84 pages, right? Correct. Correct. Post case. Now, that, that, that fellow there with the wig, okay, I won't criticize his wig, okay, but I'll say that he's using a rhetorical device that you and I know, Judge. It's called reductio ad absurdum, okay? You reduce, you reduce things to the most absurd. You use these, well, you know, Socrates was convicted for doing precisely that, which he wasn't doing, but he was making the worst cause appear the better, right? And he was... Right the youth. This guy's not corrupting the youth. He's corrupting the court or trying to. I think these members of the court can see right through reductio ad absurdum. Here's uh, President Biden in a, a South Carolina uh, church and watch his reaction and uh, behavior when the crowd uh, verbally overwhelms him. Without the truth, there's no light. Without light, there's no path. From this darkness. Did you really care about the lives lost here? And you should honor the lives lost and call for a ceasefire in Palestine. Ceasefire! 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 That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Ceasefire! 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 I understand their passion. And I've been quietly working. I've been quietly working with the Israeli government to get them to reduce and significantly get out of Gaza, using all that I can to do. Well, we know that's not true. All he has to do is make a phone call, and they'd be out of Gaza in 24 hours. That's exactly right. And uh, to look at that is encouraging in a sense. That is, to look at the crowd. They are making 
good trouble. Okay, very much in the tradition of Doctor. That Trump. is that is really a Ray McGovern phrase. Good trouble. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Judge. But I had a chance to exercise good trouble when Bobby Kennedy came to my hometown, now Raleigh, North Carolina, on what was a Friday night. Okay, I interrupted his speech after a lull in the applause, and I said, Bobby, 20,000 Palestinian children killed. You're silent. I worked for your uncle. You're mm -hmm. no JFK. Of course, they ushered me out. Now, on the way out, and this is the teaching point here, Judge, on the way out, about 80% of the people, his supporters, went like this and said, Wait, I wish we, I would like to say that. You said it for us. Thank you very much. The other thing that was good and for my purposes is that there was no Secret Service protection for Bobby, which you know has been refused to him. <laughs> and so I was fully expecting to be handled in quite a different way <laughs> than Bobby's people handled me. It was gentle. It was respectful. It was nonviolent. I'd like to get used to that next time around. Ray, you're uh, you're a great man, and uh, thank you very much for all you do, for your time, for your uh, courage, and for your analysis of all these problems. We'll see you again at the end of the week with uh, your uh, compadre, uh, Larry Johnson. Thanks, Judge. Thank you. All the best. Coming up uh, later today, Larry Johnson at 11, at 1.30, Colonel McGregor, at 2.45, Bill O'Reilly. Yes, that Bill O'Reilly. And at four o'clock, Professor, Professor Mearsheimer, Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.